0: What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Monday, the 8th of March, and we are brought to you, as always, by our presenting sponsor, LibertyShield.com. LibertyShield is a VPN provider. It's a virtual privacy network. It allows you to go online, change your location, protect your data. LibertyShield.com. Hardware and software packages available. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. Again, that's LibertyShield.com. Dot com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Home of Hopcroft for all your homeware needs. That's homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And of course, we are brought to you by eplindex.com. Do check out the work there, written work, podcasts. You've got Shiki's Scottish Football Show. You've got A Tad Predictable with Tadiwa. Kevin DeVries and the boys on the EPL roundtable. And lots of good written content from people like Jake Jackman as well. Right. Um, another weekend. Another Liverpool defeat. It's, it's great. It's joyful. Uh, if you didn't laugh, you would absolutely cry. We'll get to that game. There were eight at the weekend. So we'll start with the very first one. Which was Burnley won, Arsenal 1 at Turf Moor. A hard-fought draw. Uh, is the best way to put this. Burnley were... I mean, they were Burnley. They did all the Burnley things. They tried to take advantage of, you know, Chris Wood's height and Vidra's pace. And in truth, they were quite lucky. In truth, they were quite lucky to get anything out of this game. Arsenal went 1-0 up on six minutes. Uh, Willian played in Aubameyang, who did a couple of step overs and hit a low shot. That Nick Pope got a full hand to and probably should have kept out of the bottom corner. After that, Arsenal looked the better team. They played the better football. People like Tomas, Saka, Odegaard all combined well. But there's just no accounting for Granite Jacka. There really is not. He, Arsenal get themselves in some silly positions by their insistence on playing out from the back at all times. Jacka dropped in to help out, picked the ball up inside his own box, turned, and for whatever reason, attempted to play a right footed pass around Chris Wood and just basically hit Chris Wood with the ball. And it deflected into the net to make it 1 1. Chris Wood seemed mortified by the goal, but you can be guaranteed he'll take it. And Granite Jacka, it is just the most Granite Jacka thing to do. And I really don't understand why he's still such a regular part of the Arsenal team. Because he has let down every single manager that has played him there. Wenger bought him for a substantial amount of money in the region of about 35 million. He was meant to be this dynamic, all-round midfield, you know, boss. And he hasn't been at all. He has been largely disappointing. He has been sent off endless amounts of times. Early in his career, he just couldn't stay on the pitch. He just could not stay on the pitch. And that was a problem at Gladbach. It was a problem he carried to our Arsenal. He was sent off eight times across three years for Gladbach. Arsenal, and Switzerland. I mean, that is shocking. He has toned that down a little bit, but he still offers very, very little. Um, Sorry, I tell a lie. Nine times. Nine times in three years. Um, yeah, just not a particularly good player. Has ability, is a good passer of the ball, will occasionally strike a beautiful ball into the top corner of the net. But I just I don't understand why he's still a regular for a club like Arsenal. If you have real ambition of rebuilding into something important, it's not gonna happen with Granite Jacket playing. When Emery made him the captain, I genuinely was bamboozled by the decision. He was an awful choice. And we saw what happened. After a stinker against Crystal Palace, he was been taken off. And some of the fans began to jeer him. And he reacted the way he did. Told them where to go. Made some gestures. And threw his jersey on the ground. And and to be honest, he should never have played for the club again. He was removed as captain. Aubameyang was made captain. And it looked like that was the end of him. Emery had had enough. Arsenal had had enough. And then Arteta comes back in and makes him like a foundational member of his team. And I get that you want to give players clean sheets, but with him, he's just poor. He's just a poor player. Talented, no doubt but week in and week out he does not produce on the pitch and every so often he'll turn in a good game and arsenal fans the 14 year old versions will rush to twitter to announce that he's better than pogba and he's better than cruz and he's better than this guy and that guy and they'll start twitter accounts called jaka season and he's never had a season To really hang his hat on. Since joining Arsenal. He signed in 2016. It's not like he's still. Adapting to the league. This is his fifth year with Arsenal. He has been consistently poor. I just don't understand why he's still a foundational part of the team. Against Burnley alone this season. He got sent off. In the home game. Where they lost. And then he does that at the weekend. He played a big part in them losing at home. And then he does that. On Saturday. And I really don't understand why you would continue to give this guy chances. He is a brainless footballer. Again, he's got talent. He's a good passer of the ball. He's slow. He can't tackle. Didn't read the game well. His positional sense is largely shocking. He's not at all the player they thought they were buying. That was a problem for Wenger in the in the latter years. They bought players and thought they could adapt them into a a different system. Mustafi was like that. Socrates was like that. You know, there was just a whole bunch of players that Arsenal bought over about a five-year spell spanning the last couple of years of Wenger and then the Emery era, where they really seemed to be struggling to identify players that would fit how they wanted to play. And obviously Emery played a different style to Wenger, and they still couldn't find the right players for him. I really don't, I don't get it with Jacket. Like, there's good players that Arsenal own that don't get the opportunities that he is just continually given. Like, they once owned, remember, Ishmael Beneser, currently of AC Milan, who's younger than him and much better than him. Like, much better than him. Similar type of player, much more intelligent, much more productive, much better player. Arsenal had him in-house at the age of 20 and decided instead to go and spend £35 million on Granite Xhaka. It made no sense then. It makes no sense now. And I guarantee if they could have a do-over, they would do it in a heartbeat. Beneser is everything Xhaka is meant to be, and probably a bit more. And he would be a lovely fit next to Thomas Partey. But it's a disappointing draw for Arsenal. Nothing much happened in the second half. The game went kind of uneventful. There were some shots. There were some saves. All of it was a bit scruffy. Arsenal are 10th in the league. 11 wins, 11 defeats, 5 draws. Scored 35, conceded 28. It's not where they'll have hoped to be after 10 games. They did have that good run between when they beat Chelsea and then when they lost to Wolves. But all in all, the season's been a bit of a disappointment. Coming into this season, I said if they can get top six, I think that's progress. I think if Arsenal get top six, they can look at that as a season of progress, a season where they're moving in the right direction. But tenth is not it. Tenth is not progress. Not when you finished eighth last season. Up next, they get Spurs in the Derby. They've refound their form. They get West Ham away. They're in good form. Then they've got Liverpool at home. I mean, they're in atrocious form, but they'll have three weeks off at that point. Then Sheffield United away. And then Fulham at home. Those last two are definitely sorry. The last three are definitely winnable. Liverpool because of form. Sheffield United. I mean, everybody should beat them this season. And Fulham at home. Arsenal should be winning that game. Um, but the next two are really tough. Really, really tough games. They're out of the FA Cup. They're out of the League Cup. They're still going strong in the Europa League. They're in the round of sixteen. They've got Olympiacos. First leg is Thursday. They'll expect to go through, no doubt. But, I mean, bar winning it, that won't make up for the league form. Unless they win that competition, it won't make up for the league form. And this will have been a stagnated season or potentially a step backwards, which is not what Arteta wants in his first season. He hasn't been helped by some of the decisions that have been made. I know William was credited with an assist. He played a ball to Obamiang 25 yards from goal. Obamiang did all the work for the goal. Um, Signing William was a mistake. Extending Obamiang may well have been a mistake. He's found some form of late, but he hasn't really had the best of seasons. 14 goals in all competitions, between nine in the league. And one of those 14 was in the Community Shield. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pre-season friendly. Um, they would have hoped for more when they handed out that big contract. Gabriel seems to have lost his way a little bit. He's had some injury problems. Tomás has had injury problems. Runner Alex Runerson was a disaster, as predicted. Pablo Mari has looked solid. Cedric is what he is. He's a solid backup right back. But Arsenal have—they've not improved from last season. And you know, when you look at Emmy Martinez and the form he's he's displaying for Villa, you do have to wonder: Did they keep the wrong goalkeeper? They let Sam Greenwood go, very promising young striker went to went to Leeds. Um, you'd have to ask questions over some of the decisions that were made regarding loaning players out. Guendouzi and Lucas Torreira are both better players than Xhaka. William Saliba should be playing for Arsenal. Why are those three young players, who should be part of your future, who should be part of what you're building, why are they out on loan? Mavropana's the same. I, you know, I, I'm not sure how good he is. I haven't seen enough. But can he really be worse than some of the lads you kept around? I don't think he could. I genuinely don't think he could. Maitland-Niles gone on loan as well in January. Joe Willock gone on loan. You couldn't give these lads some minutes? Over Granite Jacker, Over Cedric? I don't understand what Arsenal are doing. They're kind of stuck halfway between rebuilding and not rebuilding. And the biggest disappointment of that is... They've got so many immense young ta- young talents on their books that a rebuild shouldn't be a massive thing for them. It should have been quite an easy transition to move out the old and move on with the new. For Burnley, this is a good point. They'll be very, very pleased with it. They're 15th in the league. They're four points clear of Fulham. They should be okay. It's four draws in the last five for them. No wins in five is a little bit concerning, but they'll take every point they can get. Up next, they've got Everton away. Then they have their break. Then it's Southampton away, Newcastle at home, Manchester United away, and Wolves away. So it is a difficult five-game run. Two games, Southampton and Newcastle, against teams that are in dreadful form and competing with them to stay up in the Premier League. Everton, United and Wolves will all expect to beat Burnley. Burnley will make it difficult on all of them, but, you know, I wouldn't expect them to take many points from those games. Southampton and Newcastle are the games they have to be targeting to take points from. They need to win one of them. They need to win one of them and get a point in the other. If they can pick up a point from the other three, five points from five games will keep them moseying along and towards safety. Um, you had to predict a step back from the for them this season. Top half finish last season, but then no money spent uh, keeping them in the Premier League at all will be a fantastic job by Sean Dyche this season and the new owners are going to have to step up in the summer. The, the buyout it doesn't seem all that promising. Um, the different reports that you read about how they've leveraged it and how they've loaded debt onto the club, it doesn't really strike confidence in these new owners. But they're going to have to back Sean Dyche. Because if they don't, I don't think he starts next season with Burnley. Unless they're guaranteeing him funds for the summer, I don't think he starts the season there. He'll have offers to go a bunch of different places. Second game of the weekend took place in in Sheffield. It was Sheffield United nil, Southampton two. A good win for Southampton, a much needed win for the Saints. They went one nil up through a James Ward-Prowse penalty, and then Che Adams made it. with a goal of the season contender. They did lose Danny Ward to, or Danny Ward, Danny Ings to injury, which is a bit of a concern. The Blades had started quite brightly and looked like they might cause some trouble in this game. Fraser Forster started in goal for Southampton and looked like he could be busy early on, but it all kind of fizzled out. They had eight shots, only two of them on target. That was all they could show for their 51% possession, whereas Southampton Managed 15 shots, 7 on target. Kept Aaron Ramsdale honest. And deserved their win. Really, really deserved their win. Southampton badly, badly needed this victory. After their run of just depressing form from when they beat Liverpool to then take one point from nine games in the Premier League, an unacceptable run of form, including obviously that 9-0 whooping at Old Trafford. But this was a much, much needed win. This was a, a game where you felt like if they lost, maybe they'd be in a bit of freefall. Um, but they get the win. It stabilizes things ever so slightly for them. Up next, they've got Manchester City away. Brighton. A cup game against Bournemouth. Burnley at home. West Brom away. Crystal Palace at home. That is a favorable five-game Premier League run. Forget the City game; throw that one out. Focus on the next four: Brighton at home, it's a game you can win. Burnley at home, a game you can win. Sheffield United, Geni- Sheff- I'm sorry, West Brom away, a game you should win. Crystal Palace at home is a game you can win. Now, if Danny Ings is ruled out for, you know, a prolonged period of time, it does become a little bit more difficult. But they do still have guys that can score goals in Che Adams, in Minamino. Armstrong is capable. Jennepo is capable. Nathan Redmond will be back. He's capable of scoring a goal. They don't need them to score in every game. But if one of them can pick up the slack in each game, they can get through this and win some of these football matches. Because, unfortunately for them now, their season's going to be defined by what we've just seen. That horrendous run of form. And that 9-0 beating at Old Trafford. And that shouldn't define their season because they were really good up until that point. They'd done so well. They'd turned things around brilliantly after the horror show of starting last season the way they did and getting walloped by Leicester. They'd turn things around for 12 months. They were a good team. For three months, they weren't. For three months, they were. Well, not even three months. Two and a half months. They were just dreadful. Just dreadful. And that is going to define their season, unfortunately. That 9-0 won't be forgotten about. You know, you lose six in a row in the Premier League, that doesn't get forgotten about. It's a shame for Ralph. They deserve the top half finish this season. They started like a team that could finish top half. But, of late, they haven't looked like it at all. They are 14th, below Palace, below Wolves, below Leeds. All teams, they will argue... They're having a better season than it's just they had all their bad results in one go. They do have a game in hand. If they win that game in hand, it will push them back above Palace Leeds, uh, Palace and Wolves. Now Leeds have a game in hand on them and a two point lead. So you'd expect Leeds uh to maintain somewhat of a lead on them. But force it happened, four games coming up, get this city game out of the way then you've got four league games that you can win. And if they could throw together, even say three wins and a draw, that could be massive for them. Absolutely massive for them. Just to boost the confidence, get things going again. It's what they need. They really need a bit of momentum back, a bit of wind in their own sails. It's tough that Danny Ings continues to get injured. And with the contract dispute, with everything else going on, it might just be time to cash in this summer. Because he continues to get hurt. That's three injuries this season. And if you can sell him for, I don't know, what, like 35 million? If you can find a buyer for him, and I think there will be buyers for him. In fact, I know there'll be buyers for him. There's Premier League clubs that would love to have Danny Ings. Because he's a very good a very good player for anybody outside the top six. If you can find a buyer for Danny Ings, it might just be worth moving off him. Trying to get in two players who can put the ball in the back of the net, like even move off him and just bring in an Ivan Tony if Brentford don't come up. Just a straight swap. At least Tony's durable for Sheffield United. It is. It is. It's over. I mean, they're twelve points behind Fulham. 28 games played, four wins, two draws, 22 defeats. Um, they have at least avoided being the worst team in Premier League history. Uh, next task is to uh, avoid being the second worst team in Premier League history. And then the third task, I think, would be to try and overhaul West Brom and not finish bottom. Um, but none of that looks looks likely. Um <laughs> Well no, they they will they'll pass Sunderland's total unless they just go on a disastrous run. But they do have a difficult run of games coming up. Next they've got Leicester away, then a cup set a cup quarter final against Chelsea, Leeds away, Arsenal at home, Wolves away, and Brighton at home. That is a difficult run. It's hard to see where points come from. Brighton at home. Arsenal are so inconsistent. You just don't know. But they're the games they're going to have to target to win or get a point from. Because other than that, I mean, it's a difficult run. Their last five are Spurs, Palace, Everton, away, and Burnley at home. If they were close, you would say you'd maybe give them a chance because three of those last four look like you could potentially win them. Palace, Newcastle and Burnley. But they're not close. I mean, they're they're not close at all. So, unfortunately, the nails are in the coffin. The coffin is in the ground. It's time to start throwing the dirt in on top of them. Uh, Sheffield United, welcome to the Championship 21-22 season. Um, Moving on, Aston Villa nil, Wolves nil. Don't want to spend much time on this game because it was very, very dour. Roman Sice missed the biggest chance you're going to see all season. Uh, Connor Cody hit the post. The ball bounced across to him. About a yard out, and he managed to clear it over the top of the net. Eddie Martinez made a couple of good saves. Um, that's about all. Rui Patricia made one good save. Villa hit the woodwork a couple of times. But all in all, it was a fairly dank, dour affair. And, and the less we talk about it, the better. Both teams are secure in mid-table. Villa are ninth. Do have two games in hand on Liverpool, who are eighth. Uh, Wolves are 12th on 35.5 behind Villa. Up next for Villa, they've got Newcastle away. Then Tottenham at home. That's one of their games in hand. Then Fulham at home. Then Liverpool away. And then Man City at home. It's not the easiest run of games. It's also not the toughest run of games bar that City one. Uh, Spurs. That they're inconsistent. You don't know what they'll get with them. Newcastle are poor. Fulham they should beat at home, but Fulham are in good form. Liverpool currently trash, and you know City are City. So you know by that stage the league might be over. Um For Wolves up next, Liverpool at home. That's a win. West Ham at home. Fulham away. Sheffield went uh, Sheffield United at home. And Burnley at home, it's it's a favourable run when you get four of your five games at home and your away game is Fulham, who, again, they're good form, they're not a good team. They're in the bottom three for a reason at this point in the season. They would be mid-table, but obviously they had that disastrous start. Um, it's actually not a bad run in at all. Their last three are tough, but even after the next five, it's West Brom and Brighton. So Wolves have seven games coming up where they can pick up some points. And maybe claw their way back into the top half where they'll feel they should have been. A disappointing season for Wolves. I've been saying it for for weeks and weeks and months and months. I do think maybe we're seeing the last season of Nuno. Um, I could be wrong. They might decide to double down on him. You just wouldn't know what Wolves are. They're a strangely run club who are obviously morphing into the Portuguese national team. But refusing to do anything about the fact that they're centre-backs. Uh, are all championship-level players and should not be playing for a team with, you know, top-four ambition, which is what Wolves have. Their whole mandate is that they want to be in the Champions League, and yet they've got defenders who wouldn't look out of place in a mid-table championship game. Genuine throat. Genuine truth but they wouldn't look out of place. Uh, if Villa get top-half, they'll be thrilled. Absolutely thrilled. Almost went down top half. It's a great turnaround. It's the exact opposite of Sheffield United. Um, last game of Saturday, Brighton won Leicester 2. Leicester, with a good comeback to win a game that they should have been dead and buried in, uh, Adam Lalana made his first worthwhile contribution on a football field in a couple of years to put Brighton 1-0 up. Um and had a couple of other good chances after that. Missed one really good chance um that Kasper Schmeichel was never going to get close to. Uh hit another one directly at Kasper Schmeichel in a while well positioned. Uh Ian Acho with a lovely finish to make it one-all in the 62nd minute. Yuri Tieleman's pass is a contender for past the season. And Nacho's finish was lovely and cheeky. I think the goal he got last weekend has definitely helped his confidence. And Leicester won it in the 87th minute when Sanchez came for a cross. To say he flapped that, it would be an improvement of what he did. He basically waved at it as it sailed past him. Um, and Amarty couldn't believe his luck as it dropped to him and he tapped into an empty net. Brighton... Again the masters of their own downfall Just, I, I, I thought Potter had a particularly bad game in this one I thought his substitutions were strange He moved away from the, the back three To play a back four He gave up possession Brighton seemed quite happy for Leicester to have the ball uh, Which was unusual and again, his substitutions were just poor. I don't know what Davy Proper has done. I don't know what Andy Zakiri has done wrong or whether he just doesn't train well. But Davy Proper should be starting for Brighton. You will never ever convince me that Adam Lalana or Pascal Grouse offers more on a football field than Davy Proper. And when they needed a goal Andy Zakiri sitting there. He's barely had a run all season. Percy Tau was brought back from a loan spell. They're both sitting there. And Danny Welbeck is the guy that you're bringing on? I I didn't understand what Potter did at all. Uh, I thought he had a stinker. Uh, On to Sunday. The gravy derby. Big Sam against Steve Bruce. Gammon everywhere. West Brom nil. Newcastle nil. A surprising amount of shots in the game 13 for West Brom 9 for the Toon Neither team really produced Anything resembling a good opportunity A big chance There was a lot of stagnant football A lot of purposeless football Newcastle obviously didn't have any of their First choice front three Played the diamond in midfield again With Jolington and Fridge excuse me, Fraser up front, neither of them are going to offer you a goal. Kraft and Dumut as fullbacks, neither are going to offer width. So as you can imagine, everything Newcastle did was very, very narrow, very, very compact. West Brom tried to stretch the field a little bit. They went 4-1, 4-1 again. Um, would have liked to have seen Grady Diangana in the team. He's still injured by the looks of things. Um, Carolyn Grant came off the bench. I want to see him play in a two with Dianya. I think that could work. But Big Sam is Big Sam and he's he's you know, he still thinks he's gonna keep them up. Doesn't look likely. Let's just say it doesn't look likely. West Brom are currently nineteenth. They're eight points behind Fulham. It does not look likely that they will stay up. Their form has improved. And credit to Sam, the form has improved. But hasn't improved enough. The draw with United, draw with Burnley, beat Brighton, lost to Everton, drew with uh with Newcastle. Three draws and a win in the last five. That that is a massive improvement and had they been doing that in the five games previous and the previous five to that, maybe they'd have a chance, but they haven't. They have been up until these last five games dreadful under big Sam and they will rightly go down. Um up next for them It's Crystal Palace away, so big Sam against the Hodge, who'd like to bet on a nil-nil. Then it's Chelsea away, then Southampton at home, then Leicester away, and then Villa away. Then they follow that up with the derby against Wolves, where Wolves owe them. Then it's Arsenal, then Liverpool. It's not a good run of games, and then West Bromham needs to end the season. Goodbye, thanks for coming, thanks for playing. Enjoy the championship. Um, we'll probably see you again in 22-23. I'll be interested to see, with the big question with West Brom is, can they hold on to those players? I think Carlin Grant will go down with them. Dean Gana should go down as well. He'll be okay. Matthias Pereira, I don't know. I think in a normal season, they'd probably lose him. But in the the current climate with the pandemic, etc., maybe they have the opportunity to keep hold of him. Um, now they may, may need to sell for financial reasons you, you you don't know their ownership it's all a bit murky, they're not quite as open and honest as they used to be about how their finances are if they go down regardless of whether they go down or not they have to really, really address that defence this summer Like that cannot be your defence again next year it just can't Um That's something they have to change, something they have to alter. They obviously won't be able to keep Gallagher or Maitland-Niles, though Chelsea might be open to loaning them Gallagher again, but Maitland-Niles is not going to go play in the championship. Um, It's going to be a different-looking West Brom team that takes the field in the championship next season, as opposed to Sheffield United, who, barring Sander Berger and probably John Lundstrom, who's out of contract, uh, they'll probably have more or less the same team. Ethan Ampadu obviously won't be back on loan, but Jack O'Connell will be fit again. Uh, Egan will be fit again. Basham will be fit again. They'll still have all the wing-backs. They'll still have the same goalkeeper. Norwood and Fleck. I mean, no Premier League club's going to want either of them. Uh, they won't find a buyer for those strikers. Lees Mousset, maybe. Uh, maybe they'll be interested in him. I, you know, if you want some pace up front, maybe he's an option, but... They're going to have large same thing but team, but West Brom, I think we will see a much changed uh group of players. Uh, the second game of the day, what a joy this was. Liverpool nil, Fulham won. Liverpool showed no respect to Fulham in their team selection, picking Nico Williams at right back, Nat Phillips, and Reese Williams at centre back, and the corpse of James Milner in midfield. And um Huffed and puffed and did very little else. Fulham looked purposeful, came with a game plan, stuck to it. Adamola Luckman, absolutely roasted Nico Williams. Absolutely roasted him. Looked like prime Cristiano out there. Stepovers, twists and turns, left him stood dead. It was a sad, sad time to be a Liverpool fan, watching that game. A sad, sad time. Liverpool have now lost six games in a row at home. Six. That had never happened before. They'd never lost more than four in a row at home before. For 90 games, from the start of the 18-19 season, up until week 14 of this season, including week 14 of this season, when they beat Crystal Palace 7-0, they were the best team in the country. City beat them to the title by a point in 1819. Liverpool obviously beat City to the title by 18 points last season. Liverpool were top after 14 games. The best team in the country. For 90 games. Since then, they've played 14 games and have the fourth worst record in the Premier League. They've taken 12 points from the last 14 games. Three wins, three draws, and eight defeats. They've lost six of seven, or is it five of six? I think it's five of six. Either way, it's dreadful. Either way, there's major problems, and at this point, it's not just down to injuries. It's down to attitude. It's down to mentality. It's down to belief. It's down to coaching. It's down to management. Problem's top to bottom for Liverpool right now. And it hasn't just been the last two or three games. It's been the last 14 games. And in truth, you can go back before that, and they weren't particularly good from, well, from the derby. From the first derby, when Van Dijk got hurt, Liverpool did not look the same team. And of course, that's going to be the case. You take the best player out of any team, and they'll struggle. Unless they're man-sitting, and you take the best player out, and they've got a £50 million player to slot in. But take Bruno out of United, they'd be mid-table. Take Kane out of Tottenham, they'd struggle to stay in the league. Um, unless Sun just did a madness, like that's probably hyperbolic, hy- hyperbolic, but you know, they wouldn't be a team challenging for the top four. Let's just say that. Um, Chelsea don't really have anybody who's elite level, they're more a team of good players. That's why this Chelsea team won't win a league title. Um, You know, take Vardy out of Leicester. What are they? You know, they're a struggling team. Um, As we've seen multiple times. um, The Van Dijk injuries, what cost Liverpool the title, it doesn't excuse them being where they are. And neither do the other injuries, in truth, because, you know, we'd heard all about the mentality monsters. And in truth, there was only ever two. There was Jurgen Klopp and there was Virgil van Dijk. There was a team that were good, Capable of scraping forth. And then Van Dyke arrived and things changed. And what gets me more annoyed than anything is the level of disrespect shown by pockets of the Liverpool fan base towards the likes of Van Dyke, towards Fabinho and Alisson and Mo Salah, towards the actual world class players who are responsible for the success that Liverpool have had on the pitch. Uh, while praise is Bucketed out To mediocre squad players Who, you know, set a good example Who train well Mo Salah doesn't train well Virgil van Dijk doesn't set a good example Do you really think when young players move from the academy To the first team group That they look at James Milner and think yeah, it's him I want to be Or do they look at van Dijk and Salah and Fabinho, the world-class players, think, mm, that's what I want to be. Do you think Trent and Curtis Jones grew up dreaming of being Jordan Henderson? Not on your life. Not on your life did they dream of that. They, Jordan Henderson and James Milner didn't grow up being, dreaming of being Jordan Henderson and James Milner. Milner's performance at the weekend was a shambles. The man cannot play Premier League football anymore. The man would struggle in the champion. In fact, the man might struggle in League One because he can't run anymore. And for a man whose career has been built on his ability to cover ground, to make up for his technical deficiencies... That's it. That's you done. City knew his legs were going when they let him go. It was clear in his first season with Liverpool his legs were going. Then Klopp stuck him left back in the second season. And since then, you can count on one hand how many good games he's had. And Klopp will call him a legend And certain people will fawn over him. But he's a very, very lucky boy that much superior players have carried him to success throughout his career. And his performance at the weekend kind of epitomised where Liverpool are. Running in concrete, going nowhere, and desperately, desperately trying to recapture something that was there maybe once. Fulham deserved their win. Mario Lamina scored a great goal, dispossessed Sal on the edge of the box and fired a low shot across the goal, passed Alisson, gave him no chance. They deserved their win. I take absolutely nothing away from them. Scott Parker did a really good job. As I've said before, if they'd had a real manager all season, They wouldn't be where they are. Scott Parker is the reason where they are where they are. The players are the reason they may well survive. He looked ridiculous wearing two jackets. He looked like someone who had to nip out to the shed and had put on somebody else's oversized coat over his own, except that their oversized coat was actually smaller than the size of his coat. And he looked like he'd been poured into it they're level on points now at Brighton one behind Newcastle they have played a game more than a game more than both obviously but they will be very very pleased to have you know to have caught up to have made some contact with those teams next up for Fulham Man City at home Leeds at home Villa away, Wolves at home, and Arsenal away. Then Chelsea away. That's a tough six games. Now, Leeds don't travel well to London. Villa and Wolves are inconsistent, as are Arsenal. There's no obvious points there for them. But they're good enough. They've got the players to match most of those teams. I think that Fulham squad is comfortably atop um, a mid-table squad. So Leeds, Villa, Wolves, Arsenal, all mid-table teams, all opportunities for Fulham to take something. City and Chelsea would be very difficult. They end the season, Burnley at home, Southampton away, United away, Newcastle at home. They just need to give themselves a chance on that last day. Make it so that it's you against Newcastle. Newcastle are doing their bit, but just give yourself a chance. Leave yourself in a position where if you win that game, you stay up. That's, that's your worst-case scenario. If you win that game, you stay up. Ideally, you're safe before it, but worst-case scenario, make sure you have a chance to go into that game and stay up. Uh, For Liverpool, it's all disastrous, really, and and who cares who they play next? They're going to lose anyway. But just in case you do care, they've got Leipzig in the week uh, in the Champions League, then they've got Wolves away, then Arsenal away, then Aston Villa at home, then Leeds away, and then Newcastle at home. Uh, All of it is horrible, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Moving on. Manchester City's incredible run is over. A 2-0 home defeat to Manchester United. I genuinely did not see that coming. I didn't see the United performance coming. I didn't see the City performance coming. City were poor. United were really good. United went 1-0 up early on. Anthony Martial dribbling in the box. And God knows what went through um, Gabby Jesus' head on other than air. Why he makes that stupid attempt at a challenge or whatever it is he's trying to do, I don't know. But why he does it, only he can answer. Gives away a penalty. Bruno Fernandez steps up. Ederson gets a good hand on it. Maybe should save it, but it goes in. And, and that's kind of it. I mean, City, at times, looked like they were running up through the gears and looked like they might make something happen, but Dean Henderson didn't have a whole bunch of saves to make. Didn't have a whole lot of much to do at all. Um... City had 23 shots in the game. Only six were on target. United had eight shots with six on target. And United went 2-0 up when Luke Shaw swept home from Marcus Rashford's assist in the 50th minute. And once that went in, you knew it was game over. Ollie seems to have Pep's number. Just a little bit. Just ever so slightly, he just seems to have something... That he holds over Pep. United had been tragically bad in games against the Big Six this season. Two defeats, five draws, only one goal scored. That was in the 6-1 shellacking they took at home to Spurs. But yet, they play City and they turn into, like, Mourinho era Inter Milan. Efficient, ruthless. Dogged defensively. Just, I, I don't understand it. I genuinely think that's the best I've seen United play this season. It's the best Anthony Martial has looked. I would say top three Martial performance this season. But I think it's the best United have played. Genuinely. Uh, another goal for Bruno. That's 16 on the season to go to 11 assists. He has now matched Steven Gerrard's best ever season in the Premier League. Uh, Only Lampard's 22 and 16 ahead of him. That's going to be tough to catch. But, you know, you can dismiss it all you want as penalties and stat padding. The numbers are the numbers. He's having a historically great season. And, you know, United are second in the league because of him. Um, They stay second in the league, 54 points get themselves a win to get back on track. They needed that win after the Leicester win just to stay in second. Up next for United is West Ham on Sunday. No, sorry, Milan on Thursday in the Europa League. Then West Ham, then Milan again. Then Leicester in the FA Cup. Then Brighton at home, Spurs away. Burnley at home and Leeds away. So... A difficult enough run of games. West Ham and Spurs. been the. The most difficult of them. But Brighton won't be easy. Burnley at home will be a pain. And Leeds away will be tough. Because Leeds will run and run and run. Now United walloped them earlier in the season. And should be confident of doing the same again. Um, but Bielsa won't have forgotten what happened. and He'll want revenge. So imagine there's going to be quite a lot of murder ball. Uh, over the next Couple of weeks at the Leeds training ground; those players will be uh, driven to beat Manchester United, driven to beat them. Um, for City, yeah, the run ends, but I mean the title's not in doubt. They are still eleven points clear uh, with ten games to go. They've got Southampton on Wednesday. Then they've got Fulham. Then Gladbach in the Champions League second leg. Then they've got Everton in the FA Cup. Then Leicester away. Then Leeds at home. And then Aston Villa away. So it's not the easiest run of games. But the next two, they'll fancy themselves to win. And that will probably put a ribbon on it. They'll have the title wrapped up fairly fairly shortish. I think their last five games aren't easy, but they are favourable. Palace, Chelsea, Newcastle, Brighton, Everton. Some teams that will be scrapping against relegation. Two good teams in Chelsea and Everton who are competing for top four, but I think they should have the title wrapped up by Palace on the 1st of May at the latest. Um, And then final game of the weekend. Tottenham 4, Crystal Palace 1. And apparently we're all now expected to believe that Gareth Bale is back and he's world-class and anybody was foolish to ever doubt it because he scored a couple of tap-ins. Um, Spurs were brilliant. Let's let's start with that. Spurs were, were absolutely brilliant. Uh, Mourinho made a couple of changes to the team that played in midweek. How, how, um, sorry, Endembele and Ali dropped to the bench. For Winks and Lucas But Bale stayed on the right Son on the left And Kane through the middle And it worked really really well um, Lucas made Lucas Moore made the first goal Winning the ball back high up the field Played it to Kane He slid it across For Gareth Bale to tap in And um, Lucas Moore I thought was really good In this game The other three will all grab the headlines Because Kane scored two And had it two assists, Bale scored two, Son had an assist but Mora's running and effort and pressing and ball winning were all really really important to them creating a lot of turnovers against the Palace team that at times looked like they could cause one or two problems uh, Christian Benteke did make it one all on the stroke of half time with a really good header it must be said, uh, he's given Toby Aldewell problems most of his career it's just funny. He obviously knows him from the Belgian national team. So maybe he just knows what his weak points are. But it's the one game you can always bank, bank on Benteke to turn up and play well in. Um, Bale made it 2 0 just after the break. Uh, a Harry Kane header across the box set him up. Kane made it three with a brilliant, brilliant goal. Bale played it to Doherty. Doherty laid it back. Kane swept onto it about 20 yards out on the angle at the corner of the box and just kind of bent and dipped it into the far top corner. It was a brilliant, brilliant strike. And then he made it 4-0. Sun set him up uh, for, again, a a tap-in goal. But this was Spurs playing really good football. Regulon was excellent. Thought Doherty had one of his better games of the season. The centre back pairing Toby got a bit of a, a doing off Bentecke, but him and Davinson held their own. Midfield looked good, and, and the front four were just lively and active and the movement was good and there was good creativity. There's so much talent in this Tottenham team. Like Eric Lamella came on, played a lovely clip ball to Sun, which made the um Made the fourth goal. Vinicius comes on late for Kane, reminding you that he's still around. There's so much talent in that Spurs team. They're up to sixth. Now, they've won three on the bounce, having had, obviously, a very, very poor run from Christmas until recently. They've got Dinamo Zagreb in the week. In the, Dar- in the Europa League. Then they've got the Derby against Arsenal. Then Zagreb again. Then they go to Villa. And they go to Newcastle. Then it's United at home. Then Everton away in a massive game with European implications. Then it's City in the EFL Cup Final. But they're running. Sheffield United at home. Leeds away. Wolves at home. Villa at home. Leicester away it's not the worst as long as they don't leave it that they have to go and beat Leicester to qualify for Europe they should get in but I still think they have a top 4 chance I still think there's enough games there that they can win and there's enough games that other teams will lose and they're getting everybody back I mean La Celso's the only one out injured at the minute And that's a top-four squad with a manager who should be top-four guaranteed every year if he wasn't afraid of himself. Um, I think they've probably left themselves a bit too much work to do, but they should still be in the mix. They are only two points behind Chelsea with the same amount of games played. Everton are in between them. Point ahead of Tottenham, point behind Chelsea. They have a game in hand, obviously. Um, Eight behind Leicester Eight is a lot to make up But you just don't know what Leicester They're always capable of just falling apart But yeah, Spurs look good They look really good at the weekend um, Palace, 13, 34 points Little behind schedule now Maybe to get to the 43 to 45 point marker But West Brom at home next week That's a point That'll be a nice nil-nil uh, then they'll go to Everton, then they've got Chelsea at home, um, then Southampton away, and then Leicester away. It's a difficult enough five game run. West Brom is the game that they'll expect to get something from. Other than that, I mean Hodge eyeing up definitely eyeing up Sheffield United away. And he's eyeing up Liverpool on the last day of the season as three points to crown his season. Um yeah, I mean Palace they're just it's just another one of those seasons. It's another kind of wasted lost season. As many of their seasons have been under Roy Hodgson. In fact, all of their seasons under Roy Hodgson. Where they've wasted the talent of Zaha, now they waste the talent of he, uh, I want to see more from Palace. I want them to be more. I want them to be more ambitious. I want them to have purpose and you know play to win. I don't like teams that play not to lose. And for too many years now, Palace, no matter the manager, have played not to lose. Um, we have two games tonight. Chelsea against Everton is the big one. That is the 6pm kickoff. Obviously, both sides are in good form. Uh, Chelsea still unbeaten under Tuchel. Everton have won three on the bounce. One point between them, Everton have a game in hand. That game in hand is against Villa, so it's not an easy game, but it's a game they'll fancy themselves to take something from. Everton's goal difference is what will let them down if it comes down to it because they've got a plus-six goal difference, whereas Chelsea plus 17, Spurs plus 18, even Leicester are plus 16. Uh, Even Liverpool, with all the problems they've had, are plus 11. Everton's Everton's problem has been they've failed to score goals. They've only had one consistent goal scorer for the season. That was Calvert-Lewin. He has tailed off and Richarlison has taken up the the mantle. But you need them doing it at the same time, ideally. And they need more goals in the team anyway. Um, Still, they'll take fifth, absolutely. they'll If they finish in the European positions, they will be delighted, especially if Liverpool don't. I do think Liverpool will be delighted to not finish in the Europa League spots. I think it is fourth or ninth for Liverpool. I think that's kind of the mindset. And by God, it's not going to be fourth. It really will not be fourth. Um, Another team in the mix for fourth, though, is West Ham. They play host to Leeds tonight. Leeds have not, as I said earlier, travelled well to London. West Ham, unquestionably the surprise packet of the season. Uh, There are some injuries for Everton going into their game. Chelsea seem to have every fit, which is... You know, a little bit unfair when you've got that squad to begin with. But Yerry Mina's out, Gabamon's out, uh, Fabian Delph is out. That's unfortunate. Maybe the basics of football uh, have have hampered him. Robin Olsen uh, is a doubt. Hammers Rodriguez is a major doubt. Tom Davies and Seamus Coleman will have late fitness tests. For Leeds, Robin Cock is out. Calvin Phillips is a late fitness test, as is Jamie Shackleton. Adam Forshaw's out. He has been all season. And Gatano Berardi is back on track. Now, he's still out, but he's at least back in training to some level. So, um, leads are getting some players back. You know, if, if Phillips is back and Robin Cock is back in a couple of weeks, they'll be back to pretty much full strength, And then they'll it, be interesting for the run-in. West Ham, Masawak is out. Fredericks is out. Fabianski is expected back Thankfully because Darren Randolph is injured And Albana um, and Yarmolenko are ruled out um, I fancy West Ham to beat Leeds at home I'll go 2-1 West Ham The other one I, I think it draw I'm going to say 1-1 draw Calvert-Lewin scores for Everton Maybe Timo Werner for Chelsea But yeah, I think a draw Anyway, predictions were awful this week, so what do I know? Um, I'm going to wrap up with the gossip just because I feel like I should um, get some joy out of my day. Because my my week has not been joyful. My week has not been joyful at all. Um, Liverpool should cash in if Egyptian forward Mohamed Salah is unhappy at the club, says former red striker Robbie Fowler. I love Robbie Fowler, but shut up. Um, It is inevitable Liverpool will lose one of their front three of Salah, Mane and Firmino this summer, says Tony Cascarino. Yes, that well-known boffin of all things football. Um, Let's see. They're not going to sell Salah because they won't get close to the asking price they want. They could well sell Mane. It wouldn't really be a loss based on how he's played this season. I I'd be quite happy for them to sell Firmino if I thought anybody would give us real money, given he's been poor for two seasons, Liverpool need to change the front three. It's not inevitable that they'll get plucked from Liverpool. It's inevitable that Liverpool will move on from one of them. Um but of course, you know, Tony Cascarino's trying to get himself a little sound bite. A little soundbite on Talk Sport. Because, you know, what else does he have going for him at this point? Um Former Rangers manager, sorry, former Rangers chairman Dave King insists there's no chance of Stephen Gerrard leaving Ibrox to become Liverpool manager in the near near future. Yeah, you're right. There's no chance. He's not going to get the job. He wouldn't even be on the list if if Klopp walked tomorrow. Gerrard's not in the conversation. He's just not in the conversation. Not at this point. Chelsea are planning to offer Denmark defender Andreas Christensen a new contract. Turn it down and leave. Because this is another false dawn. You've had seventeen of them since you went there, where they get you in the team, play you a few games, give you a new deal, and then you end up binned off again because you have one bad game. Say no to a new contract and move on. Uh Wolves, Southampton, Crystal Palace, West Ham, and Aston Villa have scouted Burnley's English midfielder Josh Brownhill in recent months. Really? I mean, I, I, I don't find it surprising because he's a good player, but he doesn't fit how Wolves play. He'd be a good fit at Southampton, but I mean, he's not getting James Ward Prowse's position in the team, and he couldn't play Whitwar- Ward Prowse. Palace would be a sidewards move. He's not getting in the West Ham team. They've got Suchek and Rice, and he's not a good replacement for either if either moved on. He would be a good fit at Villa. But No, I just don't think they have been I think that's something someone's made up I think that's probably his agent Looking for a new contract Because he's still on a lower contract From when he moved 18 months ago Or coming up on 18 months ago from the championship I reckon that's his agent Fishing for a new deal Uh, Liverpool might follow In the footsteps of Manchester United In attempting to become a publicly listed company says football finance expert Kieran Maguire. Now, Kieran Maguire is from the Price of Football podcast. I've missed where he where he's said that. Um, this is, I believe, something to do with the potential investment where a company is attempting to buy part of Fenway Sports Group. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Chelsea defender Rhys James says he has no complaints over the rotation policy of Thomas Tuchel with the twenty-one-year-old saying you can't play, you can't always play. That's a very mature way for him to look at it. I I, I thought he would have an issue with it, but you know, fair play to him. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is set to come out of international retirement, and who cares? Who who cares? Let him do what he wants. Um, former Lazio midfielder Marek Hamzik is set to join IFK Gottenberg. The Slovak has been playing in China. Uh, He was the former Napoli midfielder, not Lazio midfielder, Mr. BBC. Um, Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Hope he has a great time in Sweden. Um, Norwich fullback Max Ahrens says his focus is England and he currently has no interest in switching allegiance to Jamaica. I I can understand it. I can, but, you know, he's not going to get in the England team. He's as as good as he is, and I do really like him, he's not going to get in the England team because he's never going to be as good as Trent. And they already have, you know, 56 other options. Lamptey, James, uh, wan Basaka though it looks like he might be choosing to go a different direction. Um, James Justin is another one. Like, they've, they've got so many great right-backs. Um, West Ham are set to push ahead with tying... David Moyes to a new long term contract amid concerns that other clubs are taking an interest. I don't know what other clubs would have an interest, but he has had a great season and does deserve a new contract. So fair play. Former Barcelona midfielder Xavi won his first league match as a coach, guiding Al Saad, oh, first league title as a coach, sorry, guiding Al Saad to the QNB Stars League trophy in Qatar. Yeah, congrats. Delighted for him. Um, he will, of course, manage Barcelona one day. And there'll be lots, lots of hyperbole one way or another, depending on how he does. And French coach Didier Deschamps said it would be wrong to question Antoine Griezmann's place in the national team. I don't understand why it would be wrong. Like, But Deschamps plays favourites all the time. He has the group of players that he will work with, and that's pretty much it. It's why Moussa Sissoko has a World Cup winner's medal despite not being very good at football. Um, Yeah, that's it. That's the gossip for today. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Take care. Podcast Network.